Say there, welcome back to Accelerated Real Estate Investor with Josh Cantwell. I'm your host. And today I've got a fantastic part two follow-up podcast interview with Scott Crone. Scott is the owner, founder of Coda Management, and they hang their hat on doing brand new self-storage development and building. They also do self-storage conversion. Uh, if you listen to my first podcast episode with Scott back in July of 2020, you can check that out at acceleratedinvestorpodcast.com or you can find that on Spotify or iTunes. You can listen to episode number one. This episode number two, Scott and I are going to specifically talk about the changes that have happened in the self-storage business because of the pandemic-related behavior changes of people. Number two, we're going to talk about some of the resources that Scott uses to evaluate markets. One of them is radius.com. Write that down. We're going to talk to Scott a little bit about how he is protecting his investments through recessionary resistant investments in self-storage, specifically in the path of progress. And number four, we're going to talk about scale, people, and software and how that's helped Scott build a massive self-storage portfolio. You're going to love this follow-up interview with Scott Crone from Coda Management and One Stop Self-Storage. Again, don't forget to listen to the first interview with Scott from July of 2020. Here we go with interview number two. Welcome to the Accelerated Investor Podcast with Josh Cantwell. If you're looking to retire early with forever passive income, you're in the right place. This podcast is the go-to destination for real estate investors, both active and passive, and multifamily apartment investors, both new, intermediate, and advanced. Now, sit back, listen, learn, and accelerate your business, your life, and your investing with the Accelerated Investor Podcast. So, hey, Scott, listen, welcome back to Accelerated Investor, my friend. It's been almost two years. So welcome back. I'm excited to peel back the onion again on self-storage and conversions and see what's new. Thanks for joining me. That's great to be back. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely, guys. So for my audience, we released Scott and I recorded almost two years ago in July of 2020. You can go to acceleratedinvestorpodcast.com or go right to Spotify or to iTunes to find that episode. And Scott and I talked back then about conversions, a lot of whether it be factories, whether it was the old Lincoln log that you guys bought and converted, whether it was a like Kmart or an old Sears that's being converted to self-storage. That was when COVID had first hit. We didn't realize the impact of how people's habits would change. So I'm interested, Scott, for my own purposes, because I'm interested in investing more in self-storage. Tell us a little bit about how the markets change over the last two years. How has people's behaviors changed and how has it impacted the self-storage investing business? Well, we, we see self-storage as addressing people's needs and that we can serve them because they're going through a difficult time. The difference now is that how people use their home has changed. You know, now it's a part-time school, it's a part-time gym, it's a part-time office. And I think more people are going back to the office less than what they were before. So they might be going back two or three days, but not a full-time. But then they still need a place to work. So that extra room where they had stuff now has become an office and they need more space. 
So whether it be in the basement or an extra bedroom or whatever it may be, which was storage, is now becoming a utilitarian purpose. And so as a result of it, they need more storage. So somebody has the same house, and we know that one of the metrics that we track with our business is how long people are staying in their homes. And that has like almost quadrupled during the pandemic where people just aren't leaving. There's less homes for sale. People are willing to kind of hunker down with the space that they have. But like you just said, now it's their home gym. Now it's their office. Now it's the schooling for the kids. So how have you guys capitalized on that? What bets did you make maybe two years ago or five years ago? Give us an example of how that's paid off because of the pandemic and because of how people have changed their behavior and now needing more space to store their stuff. Maybe this is something that you didn't anticipate happening that worked in your favor because of the pandemic. Well, the other thing we've experienced is that over 50% of our customers are businesses. So the supply chain issues with the pandemic has greatly impacted the need. I need, you know, I need to buy a thousand widgets now because I'm, I won't be able to get them later and I need a place to store the widgets. We just had a, a vendor call us up. They're building an apartment building near one of our facilities and they have to deliver all their appliances now. And so they need a place to deliver all their appliances. And so they're looking at taking like 12,000 square feet. Wow. Um, because they know that they can't get them, you know, normally where they would, you know, they're, they're, when they get them, they have to take them. They don't have a choice. So in that sense, that has changed on the business side. Um, how we've been planning for it, I think the pandemic had changed the economy. We were betting on a recession. We, we bet on recessionary markets with our self-storage. That's why we moved into this because of how well it does in recessionary markets. And that's why I deemed it recessionary resistant. A lot of people deemed it recessionary proof. I don't think there's any proof within real estate, let alone life. Um, you know, things are always open to change, right? No doubt. So as a result of that, we've been gearing up for this recession. And I, I believe we are, it's recession is two negative downward quarters or two months. And I think that we're in that first cycle so that, you know, they're not wanting to call it that, but there's every indicator that we're in a recession. In fact, I gave a, a speech about it back in March when I won a, um, a leadership award in the industry. And I was predicting that this was happening. I was comparing this to 1979. And the, the, the correlations between the two time periods is uncanny, except for now when I did it. But here's the funny thing. I, I compared the price of fuel. In the 1979, it was 85 cents and adjusted at $2.35. I went to the pump yesterday. And it was over $6, or $6 per, per gallon. Right. So we're much higher than we were in 1979. So I haven't seen or heard the comparison between today and 1979. Tell me more about that. What what comparisons, what correlations are you seeing that we should know about? Well, I looked at uh, unemployment. It was, they're both around 6 million. People are now actually getting, you know, Tesla, Elon Musk were saying, hey, we're, we're pulling back. We're starting to lay people off after we've had this shortage of people who are not going back into the workforce. Um, we were looking at housing starts. They're, they're exactly the same. We're looking at the rate of inflation. We're actually now higher than when we were in 1979. Gas prices when OPEC did it. Um, the other interesting thing was Russia. Russia invaded Afghanistan. And uh, now they've invaded Ukraine and how that's impacted the world economy. And so I was looking at all those and then uh, the GPI and what was happening with the GPI. But um, back in March, the invert of the U curve actually hit zero or I mean, it, it crossed from the positive and the negative. And so that was one of the last indicators for me that this is going into a, 
uh, a recessionary market. The funny thing that I compared was the, the U.S. Olympic hockey team. You know, in 1980, they won the you know yeah. the miracle on ice. <laughs> this year, quarterfinal loss, so they didn't do as well. So that was the one hope. Hopefully, <laughs> the, the, the final comparison. The one funny comparison, yeah. Got in your self storage investing business and doing your conversions, prepping for a pandemic induced recession that didn't happen. Obviously, with the lack of supply, housing values went up, and now it's all this inflation happened. So the recession now is not really pandemic induced, it's really Federal Reserve induced because of pushing up the cost of money. Either way, this recession is going to happen over the next six months to two years. So you plan for it. It's happening regardless. So how will that benefit the self-storage business? When you say self-storage is recession resistant, how so? And how will that actually help you if there is a recession? Or how is the self-storage business recessionary resistant? And what could an investor, whether they're an active operator or a limited partner, how do you calm them down a little bit to say, this is why you want to be in self-storage? Well, we went back and looked at every major recession since 1979. And we compare them in terms of what was happening with the GDI and then also occupancy within self-storage. And we overlaid these two um, charts. And every time there was a recession, self-storage went down 1% and then rised. And so it's been over 90% in every major recession and continuing to rise. And the reason is that it's addressing change. You know, people don't like change. They're, they're, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, a difficult time and self-storage helps alleviate that difficult time. So that's what we're focusing on. And so that change could be like they have to downsize. It could be they've lost their house. They have to move to a different city to take a different job. It could be um, divorce. Um, a lot of things happen when people have a little bit of financial pressure on them. And um, as a result of it, that causes the change in the pressure. And it's a lot easier to put things into self-storage than it is to address them on a bigger scale. I like it. I like it a lot. I also think about the people who have wanted to buy a house who are, you know, the millennial generation that's now in their 30s, they're hitting 35 years old, they're in the prime house buying mode, but they're forming households. Right now, there's 128 million households in our country versus during the last recession of 2007, 8, 9, there were only 116 million households. Those, those households need a house to live in. They're accumulating more stuff. They're getting married. They're forming partnerships. They're having children. They need a house. But as we've seen, the cost of housing has gone up 35 to 38% in the last two years since the pandemic hit. So houses are way more expensive. So if you're in accumulation mode, accumulation of stuff, you've got to find somewhere to put that because if the house values just went up by 30 or 35%, and you can't afford as much house as you really probably need. You can't afford the square footage that you want because prices just jump by 35%. But you're accumulating more stuff, cribs, high chairs, another car, more workout equipment, just everything that a 35-year-old family would want, but they can't afford the house that they want. I would think those people are also maybe buying a house that's a little bit smaller than they expected and needing some self-storage space to store their extra stuff. Have you seen that? Like, this is just my gut uh, based on those metrics. Is that something that you've also seen in your business? Absolutely. But it's it's not just the value of the homes that have gone up, but with the interest rates climbing, the cost of the home, so they can't afford as much. And so it's the combination. It's not just that 
the price has gone up, but if the you know interest rates lower, you can effectively buy more. And so the, those two pressures are definitely causing. And you, you mentioned earlier that it, it's not necessarily the result of the recession, but I, I do believe that the recession had an impact because of all the government spending. So now that with all the government spending, they don't have any more tools at their disposal to offset what's happening. And so the only thing they can do is raise the interest rate in order to stop the inflation which is then going to, it's going to slow down the housing market. It's going to slow down all these other industries because people can't afford as much. Right. Yeah, no, I, I and I can concur on the use of businesses using self-storage. Uh, we had a lease that came up in September of 2020. We had an office space for about five years, nice, beautiful class A office space. We decided to let it go because nobody was going to the office, right? So just lease was up. The term was up. We decided to let it go. Well, what were we going to do with all of our desks, printer, commercial size printer, stuff that was in the kitchens, cubicles, chairs, conference room tables, conference room chairs? It all went into self-storage, right? So we're one of those business customers that used it. Now, we just bought a new apartment complex. It's a 300 unit with a 8,000 square foot uh, management office. So we're taking that over part of it for the property management, but part of it for our HQ office, my CFO, my directors, some of my people are going to move back in there and we're going to slide the stuff finally out of self-storage and move it back in there. So I'm one of those customers that you probably didn't see needing your services that actually used it. So Scott, going forward now, right? So we're recording this. It's it's June 28th. This is going to be released probably in July pretty soon because it's very timely based on what's going on in the market. What metrics are you looking at today to make future investments in self-storage? What things are you looking out for regarding a recession, the cost of money, cap rates, occupancy rates, uh, maybe geographically, what areas are you bullish on? Or are you pulling back from doing new deals because of a possible recession coming? No, I wouldn't say we're pulling back, but we're definitely being, uh, I don't know if conserve is the right word, but we're being... We're looking harder at the underwriting in terms of not just the demographics, but we're, you know, that's always the main factor. Demographics, what's happening? Are people moving in? Are they moving out? But then also, more importantly, uh, the cost. So the cost of construction. Um, we're, you know, we're just seeing huge spikes. So we're making sure that our, our underwriting is really conservative on the construction side of things in order to support it. If your costs are out of whack, the economics of the deal don't work. So what we're really focusing on is on the on the construction side of things to make sure that our costs are accurate. Yep, got it. So you're bullish on still doing more self storage, more conversions, whether it's you know an old building that was being you know used for a different purpose and doing the conversion, but doing it still where people are moving in the path of progress because people are still moving. Right? There's still a lot of bullishness happening. People moving to Arizona specifically Phoenix, people moving to Texas, specifically Dallas-Fort Worth, and people moving to Florida, specifically Orlando. If I had to bet on three markets for 20 years from now, those would be the three that I would bet on. So because of the population migration still moving to those places and people still work from home, there's still lots of opportunity to kind of do a conversion or build new in the path of that progress because people are going to need, they're going to move there and they're going to store the stuff. Is that right? Absolutely. And we're, we're looking at both. We're, we're looking at both new construction as well as conversions. And that's driven by what the marketplace is. The one that we're looking at for new construction, the cost of the land was so cheap 
that there wasn't any building there to do it. So it, it made sense because of how inexpensively we were able to pick up the land. Obviously, it entailed entitlements. We had to reach, we had to rezone it to a for self-storage. It was zoned um, agricultural. And so we had to change it. And then the other one is a conversion. And so in both of those markets, we're looking at what is happening in that market. Is it expanding or contracting? We want to make sure that the markets are expanding in those locations. Are you ready to automate and explode your real estate investing? We're searching for extremely motivated individuals who are sick and tired of wasting time and want to finally see real results from their real estate investing business. We're searching for investors looking to get to the next level and become a bigger, better version of themselves while being a more successful real estate investing entrepreneur. Apply for mentoring and coaching at joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. That's joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. When you're looking at expansion, you're looking at things like I look at on the multifamily side, which is population growth, income growth, rent growth, household formation growth. Are those some of the things that you look at? And if those are other things, what are they? Those are all the exact same things. In fact, what, there's a lot of correlation between multifamily and self-storage. In fact, oh, yeah. we, we've had this intern who I've known since he was you know, born and then he he wanted to explore a different area of real estate. So he's working with a, a massive multifamily um, developer out of the Southeast. And the first thing he said to me was like, I can't believe how similar these things were. And I kept, I, said, I kept telling you, it's apartments without toilets. I mean, that's where I came from. I came from the whole multifamily world. He goes, all the reports, all the indicators, all the things are exactly the same. It's just a more simplistic model. And he finally saw the light when, you know, working in for, you know, a multifamily you know, company across the country compared to what we were doing. He's like, yeah, yours is just smaller, you know, smaller yep. in, in, in cost basis. And Love so it. we we compare the th- same things. Scott, is there, I'm always curious to see what other successful operators and general partners, what kind of research and what resources they're using to get their data. So I'm always looking for that kind of extra silver bullet to add on some of the different reports and different research places that I go. Is there anything that you really like? Is there like a backbone, a certain report or a certain website or a certain uh, data provider that you lean on to get some of the data that you're talking about? Well, we do a couple of different things. One, we we hire a feasibility consultant. And so they'll pull from a, a broader range than what we can. And so they're always looking at each of those indicators as well. And they put that into that report. And so that is one of the things that we do rely upon. But then we also use software that we, for instance, we use Radius. Radius gives us a, a good snapshot of what's happening in the marketplace in terms of self-storage, in terms of rental price, occupancy, how many lockers, supply index, what's coming out of the market, all those different things. Love it. Yep. Sounds good. I mean, CoStar is a, a great kind of well-known commercial uh, resource as well. Uh, Radius is something I've heard of before and used this as well. So great stuff there. Scott, I'm curious when it comes to branding, like I love to hear what, whether it's an apartment operator, self-storage operator, it could be office. I'd love to hear how they're separating themselves and being different in the marketplace, right? Because you build a 10 by 10 or a 20, a 10 by 20 self-storage facility, locker, garages, but then you got to find a way to be slightly different than the next guy who's maybe down the street. 
you know, we have certain colors and brands that we do on every one of our buildings. We have a certain finished product. When we do a conversion of one of our multifamily units, we want a certain type of backsplash, a certain countertop, certain appliances, certain color schemes, so that when somebody walks into a freeland apartment building, whether that's the exterior, the interior, the management office, the parking lot, they all look the same. So I know you do a number of things to brand your businesses to be different and to have a brand, have a backbone. So when somebody says, hey, this is one of Coda Management's deals, this is a Coda Management product, This I know what I'm going to get and I can see it in the marketplace. So what things have you done to brand yourself or market yourself to really build that regular recurring sort of credibility within your portfolio that people recognize? Well, the first thing that we did is we actually created our own brand, which is one-stop self-storage. Uh, we felt that we, when we were looking at it, we, the performance of the REITs was not there. Um, they were just you know, milking us in terms of raising their expenses, their, their salaries, or their, having more people there, um, charging us for un, you know, unknown fees, uh, almost to the tune of 40%. And so these were some of the major things, the reason why we started our own brand, one-stop self-storage. And beginning with our logo, one-stop for all your self-storage needs. Some of the things we also refer to is we, we refer to our, our customers as clients as, a, as opposed to customers. And we are, we're training our staff to find out how they can solve their clients' problems. Because we feel that it's not every... The first thing to say is, how much is a 10 by 10? Well, there is no distinction than, other than pricing at that point in time, right? I mean, we're all renting a box. But if we're solving a problem, that will give us a greater rapport with the client in terms of understanding what it is they need. So for instance, are you planning on coming here every day? Are you planning on coming here every six months? You know, then obviously we can alter the price structure based upon if you're coming here every six months, then you don't need one right by the door. You can pay a little bit less and be maybe in a little bit further walk or up on the second or third, fourth you know, floor, whatever it may be, that it can serve you better understanding what size, all these different things that we can go into to understand what the challenges that the person's facing so that we, we can solve those challenges. And so that begins with our training of our staff. And that's one of the things that, for instance, this week, we're going to continue to have another continuation call of how to further train our staff to make sure that they're all responding the exact same way from everything from how they answer the phone to um, when the person first comes in, all those sorts of things. So we're, we're having that consistent message across the board. And it's, it's also why I'm wearing this hat. You know, the Toledo Mud Hens, they're one of our neighbors. And like we want to support our local businesses and we want to support our local universities. And so that's, that's some, those are some of the things that we are emphasizing with our staff is let's see how we can work within the community so that they know that we're contributing to the community as, as a part of, uh, I mean, a lot of people think of self-storage is not really contributing to the community, but we are, we are serving the community. And then we want to make sure that everybody knows that. Yeah, that's great stuff, Scott. I love it. You mentioned your team, right? And I, I, I preached on this podcast and to my own team that really good entrepreneurs know that the business of running a business is the people. The business of business is people, like running a business and being good at it and doing it on a daily basis is really about focusing on your people. And you mentioning training your people a certain way, talking to them a certain way, making sure they talk to the client a certain way, not a customer. And we refer to our people as residents, not tenants. And we want them to dress and look a certain way. But how important software is like software is the great silver bullet in a business. 
It also could be the devil if it's not used properly. And when people are trained well and then use software appropriately, I think that's the ultimate mix to make a business really work. Training the people. And then we tell our people, if it's not in the software, it didn't happen, right? Because that's the only way you can scale. What are your thoughts on that? Software and people, how important are they? And to be adopting and using them and growing them to grow your self-storage business. Well, absolutely. I mean, especially with a pandemic when people didn't want to interact with people. I mean, the, the movement within self-storage was to go personless, you know, that you don't even have to walk in. You don't even have to interact with a single person. You could just find your unit, have your lock, lock it up and not have to deal with someone. And we still think there's a combination. We, we have some facilities which are re- totally remote, 100%. And so we're relying upon um, software predominantly, but then we still have a call center. You have to have that personal interaction because if someone can't find what they're looking for, then they're going to go someplace else. But if someone walks in a, into a self-storage facility, the conversion rate should be 90%. And so when we're, when we're looking at those metrics, what is our conversion rate? And what we found was the biggest disconnect was when people have an expectation and when they walk in, it's not met. And so we want to make sure that those expectations are, are actually in alignment. So when they walk in, we can convert it. I'd love to hear that metric. That sounded very important, that 90% conversion. Tell me about that. I mean, if somebody walks into a facility, they obviously know they're walking in to a self-storage facility. They're not walking into a putt-putt course. They're not walking into a restaurant. It's obviously self-storage. They have a need they're walking into. So that 90% number, where did you come up with that? And how do you hold your team accountable to meeting it? Well, it's an, it's a standard that we get from the self storage uh, associations in terms of how they they do their metrics across the board, and so we rely, you know, we we're a part of those associations to make sure that we're seeing the latest trends and knowing what's going on and the growth and things that are changing. And so that's where we got the data from was the self storage association. But what we've began noticing is how we're tracking that. So we're beginning it from the point of a click in terms of uh, in our, the social media all the way to a reservation. And then once they come in, actually to a closing. And so we're looking at the whole metrics all the way down from how effective our advertising is to either a click or a phone call or you know someone going onto a computer to log in. We're monitoring the conversion rate all the way down to when we get a signed contract. Love it. Fantastic stuff. Scott, listen, this is great information, guys. My team or my audience, go back July of 2020, Scott and I recorded the first episode with Scott on the Accelerated Investor Podcast. Obviously, this one coming about two years later. Fantastic. If you listen to episode one from July of 2020, and now this one back-to-back, find a way to listen to them both. And that's going to really put together a lot of the pieces for you about how to invest in self-storage, the foundation of it, and then a lot of the changes that have happened over the past two years. Scott, you've been a fantastic resource for me and for my audience. If some of my team or my audience wants to engage with you, whether it's as a limited partner, where maybe they have a JV deal, just learn more about your business, where can they go to get more information? Well, I appreciate that, Josh. And thanks. And what we liked, we offered, I believe, the last time was a feasibility study, which was a report about how we got to it. And we, I mentioned that feasibility study earlier. If anyone does mention the show, um, we will give them that. But we've also developed a self-storage analyzing tool. And so we will give them that, which they can take. It, all these, all the formulas are plugged in. All you have to do is plug in some assumptions, and it will tell you how profitable the deal is. And so we will forward that on. But if they, they can reach out to us at info at coda, C-O-D-A, mg.com. That's info at codamg.com. 
Perfect stuff, Scott. Listen, thanks so much for carving out some time. I know you're super busy. Good luck with your investing moving forward. And thanks for joining me on Accelerated Investor. Thank you very much. I've always enjoyed being together. So hey there, listen, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Scott. Man, what a wealth of information around the self-storage business. And I love it because there's so many connections between self-storage and multifamily. So that was really helpful for me to hear how Scott's navigating this post-pandemic world of self-storage investing, as well as making his business recessionary resistant, as he talked about. Fantastic stuff. Don't forget to reach out to Scott at info at codamg.com. And if you're looking for places to really be around guys like Scott, be around guys like me, be around other operators that are really doing a lot in today's market, you should go apply to be part of my mastermind. It's called the Forever Passive Income Mastermind. We've got self-storage operators, multifamily operators, private investors, and you can apply to be part of that mastermind at joshcantwellcoaching.com. We'll see you next time on Accelerated Real Estate Investor. Take care. You were just listening to the Accelerated Investor Podcast with Josh Cantwell. If you enjoyed this episode and learned something new, help us build the AI community by leaving a review and five-star rating on our iTunes podcast channel. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss another episode. To see passive investing opportunities, visit freelandventures.com slash passive. To start your journey toward the lifestyle you've always dreamed of with multifamily apartments, apply for one-on-one -on -one coaching with Josh at www.joshcantwellcoaching.com. Josh Cantwell Coaching.com.